tonight. Let me show you the high-tech lynching of a teenager at the hands of the media party. It's January 21, and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. So I was looking at Twitter on the weekend, which I do too much, and I saw this tweet on the CBC. It has since been deleted, but someone took a screenshot of it. The CBC headline on the Twitter is, video shows youth standing extremely close to elderly man while others laugh. And as you can see at the bottom there, you can see the actual headline of the story is U.S. diocese investigating after students mock indigenous demonstrator, CBC News. Now, my first reaction to this is, why is Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster that we're all forced to spend $1.5 billion a year on in tax money in Canada, why is it covering a weird U.S. story like this? I mean, how about covering Canadian news? My second reaction, probably even before I read the words itself, was, ha, huh, obviously this is an attack on Donald Trump, since you'll notice that kid was wearing one of Donald Trump's iconic red hats with his slogan, Make America Great Again. That hat drives the left crazy. It identifies enemies to them to hate. So I guess that answered my first question, why are Trudeau's government journalists reporting on this? Because they hate Donald Trump and his supporters, and they thought they caught one doing something bad. But my third thought was, what exactly is the story here? Look at that tweet again. Is the problem that he was standing extremely close to someone? Close standing? I've heard of manspreading. That's when men sit with their knees a bit apart on the subway. I've heard of close talking. That was a joke on Seinfeld. We all know a close talker, don't we? He's nice. Bit of a close talker. A what? You'll see. <laughs> Aaron. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Hello Aaron. Aaron. So how long are you folks in town? Oh. <laughs> Three more days. Three more days and then we're off to Paris. <laughs> it's a close talker. <laughs> but this kid in the news was a close stander, which is obviously so much worse. Folks, he was standing, what was the word? Extremely close to an elderly man. So he was an extremist. He was extremely cool, but he, but he wasn't saying anything, actually. He was just standing and, and smiling, not saying a word, not moving a muscle. But apparently other people around him laughed, and, and you know how laughing can be. <laughs> it can be that way and worse, people. Now, the CBC put this on their national news all weekend, I should tell you. They said that teenager was mocking this elder in a racist way. Now, the CBC wasn't alone. In fact, that's part of the problem here. Our Canadian media party so desperately wants to be accepted by the cool kids in the U.S., so it's always trying to keep up with their latest anti-Trump fashion down there, which is why the CBC is covering some teenager from Kentucky smiling so mockingly in Washington, D.C. at a man from Michigan, actually. But, but they would just try to keep up with the Trump derangement syndrome patient zero, namely CNN. Here's CNN. They said, Video shows a crowd of teenagers wearing Make America Great Again hats taunting a Native American elder 
after Friday's Indigenous Peoples March at the Lincoln Memorial. Again, they were taunting. Well, that's no good. It's not good to taunt. Here, here's um, expert Alyssa Milano. I'm kidding. I think she's an actress. She wrote, the man that boy is harassing in the video is Nathan, and he's a veteran. Wow. Um, so that kid, uh, the evil smiler and close stander, his name is Nick Sandman, by the way, and he was harassing Nathan. Um, now, maybe we just didn't see the video of the harassment. We all saw that still photo, but Alyssa Milano said there was harassment, and CNN said there was taunting. CBC said they were just close standing. Um, but Alyssa Milano says there was taunting. Now, I think she lives in Hollywood, but she just sort of knew in her bones. And after all, the elder himself said so. Listen to this. Now, be warned, there's a bit of crying here. Take a listen. You know, when I was there, singing, and I heard, I heard them saying, build that wall, build that wall. You know, this is indigenous lands. Build that wall, build that wall. So that was the taunt, it, it, according to Melissa, Alyssa Milano. Now, that is a weird taunt to say to a native Indian of all people, but you heard it, he was taunted, and he just told you what he was taunted by. And the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos of Amazon, so you can trust him. I mean, sure, his wife can't trust him, his, his employees can't trust him, but we can trust him because he doesn't have an agenda. Anyway, so what does Jeff Bezos' Washington Post have to say about this? Unlike Alyssa Milano, they actually are based in Washington, so maybe they know. Here's what they wrote. Um, it was getting ugly. I mean, the, the headline says it all, doesn't it? I'll read a little bit from the story. Surrounding him are a throng of young, mostly white, gross teenage boys Several wearing Make America Great Again caps. Okay, we all know that, but here's the good stuff. One stood about a foot from the drummer's face wearing a relentless smirk. I got to tell you, people, smirks are awful, but when they are relentless, that is the worst. Okay, let me quote some more from the Bezos Washington Post. In an interview Saturday, Phillips, that's the elder, 64, said he felt threatened by the teens and that they swarmed around him as he and other activists were wrapping up the march and preparing to leave. Well, that is bad. Being swarmed by young men, that is awful. And he felt threatened. I bet he did. I mean, he was being swarmed. Let me quote a little bit more. It was getting ugly. And I was thinking, I've got to find myself an exit out of this situation and finish my song at the Lincoln Memorial, Phillips recalled. I started going that way, and that guy in the hat stood in my way, and we were at an impasse. He just blocked my way and wouldn't allow me to retreat. Yikes. So you heard him. He tried to leave, tried to retreat, but that smirker, that relentless smirker blocked him. That relentless smirker. Um, Nick is the name of the smirker. Nathan Phillips is the elder who was smirked at. So Nick was blocking him. Okay, well, it's settled. I mean, and what's worse, as you heard, uh, these kids were white, gross, and the Washington Post said they're Catholic, too. 
double gross from a Catholic school, and worse yet, triple gross, they were in town for the giant March for Life. There's more than 100,000 people at the March for Life this year. This is a uh, time-lapse film of them. That's a pro-life march. That is a lot of people. Uh, by contrast, there were fewer than 10,000 people at this year's Feminist Women's March. Funny, you'd think it was the other way around, given how much coverage each of the protests got. But what a great way for the media to end that weekend. It let them avoid talking about the March for Life. Instead, they were talking about the Indigenous March or something. It let them repudiate the morality of the March for Life. I mean, yuck, racist taunters. And it let the media switch the subject from their own conduct. They had been salivating all week over a story on BuzzFeed that claimed uh, they had seen documentary proof leaked to them by Robert Mueller's special counsel team that Donald Trump asked his lawyer, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress. That would have impeached him right there. So the media ran so hard with that scoop, but it was all made up, and Mueller's own office made a rare public statement saying it was all made up after they had all repeated it. So this relentless smirker, extreme close stander story was the perfect end for a bad week for the liberal media to change the channel. Uh, here's a New York Times contributor uh, calling the kids Nazi youth. Uh, she deleted this tweet, but not before it was photographed, as you can see. Uh, here's Reza Aslan, a regular CNN contributor, uh, Muslim activist, saying the kid really has a punchable face. So wink, wink, you know what to do, people. Punchable face. Here's Kathy Griffin, the ex-comedian, calling for people to dox these kids. That means to research all their personal details and publish them online, their address, phone number, parents' information, siblings, what their parents, where they work. Uh, that's against Twitter's rules, by the way, but hey, that kid was obviously a Trump supporter, so an exception can be made. Uh, that tweet was not taken down, it's still up. Uh, except, is that how it all really went down? I mean, look at that weird language again at the CBC. Standing extremely close. That really is a weird headline. Now, it was close. About as close as a close talker gets. But the kid in question, Nick Sandman, that's his name, he's a teenager, he just stood still. He didn't say a word. I don't think he scowled, I think he tried to smile. Or smirked relentlessly, if uh, you believe the Washington Post. The guy who was standing extremely close, well, it was actually that elder, Nathan Phillips, with the drum. I want to show you a four minute video. Now I'm going to speed it up in the middle so you don't have to watch all four minutes. But I'm going to play the first part and the last part in real time. Uh, this is Phillips. He went right up to Nick Sandman. So close that the boy could surely feel uh, Nathan Phillips' breath on his face. And I've watched this video carefully. Uh, Phillips, the Indian activist, actually touches the boy several times with his drum. Uh, he's pushing up against him. So who was standing extremely close to whom? The boy was just standing there. Here, watch the first full minute, okay? Here's the minute.
Uh, now, you can see the other boys were jumping around a little bit, hooting a bit. Hey, oh, I don't know, because they're teenage boys, and there's this drummer guy, and they're just standing around, and they don't really know what to do or say. Um, so they're, hey, oh, uh, was that taunting? Was that abuse? Was that, was that racism? Everyone seemed to be in good spirits here. I'm going to play the next part, uh, speed it up just so you can see that it was that same thing for minutes and minutes and minutes straight. Just an old man banging a drum right in a teenager's face, touching him, invading his personal space, and the kid was just smiling. Okay, watch this sped up. It just went on like that, and you could see it was the same as what I showed you before. And then someone chimed in. It was someone who came with the elder drum banger. Um, and she swears at the kids, because they're just standing there, and that one kid, Nick Sandman, is just standing there smiling. Uh, and then this woman who came with the elder swears at them. You'll hear the swear. Uh, they don't swear back. They don't take the bait. Just, just watch a bit. I just want to show you this. So all that's happening is that he's drumming. They're sort of chanting a bit, uh, and that one kid was dancing a bit. Um, and, I, and I say the woman with the nose ring, she's so obviously stylistically, aesthetically different from these teenage boys. She was a grown-up. She swore at them. She called them a mob. Yeah, I, I don't know there's a mob. And uh, as is evident to you right now, that drummer could have left any time. Um, I don't know if you saw when I ended the screen, there was a, a white leftist photographer who came with Nathan Phillips, the elder, and the photographer was about to take a shot, and there was sort of that team, right, the, the nose ring woman. Um, and I just remember what Nathan Phillips, the elder, said. He, he said that, uh, remember that first video that Alyssa Milano put up? He said they called for the wall. He said that. He said he was scared, he said that to the Washington Post. He said they taunted him. He said, he said they trapped him, his way was blocked. He said it was about to get dangerous. Is that really what happened? Okay, now watch this tape to the end from where the white photographer who came with Nathan Phillips took the photo to the end, and then we'll freeze it there. Take a look.
see that? Look at that. You see that big bright light there? That's a professional camera light. There's other professional cameras, there's little cell phones, but there was a team of cameramen there. So this whole video, this whole news story was not some organic moment. It was a setup. This was a made-for-TV moment. Oh, and Nathan Phillips, <laughs> he seems to do this a lot. He seems to have a lot of planned meetups with kids and then accuses them of racism. Here's a story about him last year uh, in Michigan. He gets around a bit. Now, the media narrative uh, over the weekend was that Nathan Phillips is a Vietnam veteran. Oh, my God, that's just the icing on the cake. Now, I don't know, maybe he is, but I'm not sure. You, I read to you that he's 64 years old. I'm not an expert in the Vietnam War, but I know when it ended. And I, I think he's too young to be a Vietnam veteran. I think he was born one year too young, one year too late to be conscripted, to be conscripted in a Vietnam. By that point, they were wrapping it up. They, they stopped conscription. I guess he could have volunteered in the war's final year, maybe when he was a 17-year-old. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, though, if he ever actually says he's a Vietnam War veteran, as in someone who used to serve. Here's how he phrased it when he spoke to Vogue magazine. When he was up in North Dakota doing his same shtick, protesting an oil pipeline last year. He said, you know, I'm from Vietnam times. I'm what they call a recon ranger. I'm from Vietnam times. What does that mean? He says that phrase from time to time. He doesn't say Vietnam veteran. That has a special meaning. He says, I'm a Vietnam era veteran. So you're a veteran of the war or a veteran of the era. I don't know. I don't know if it's a lie. And I'm not really being a truther here. I'm just saying, I think this guy's a BSer. Because um, you know that part about him saying they were calling for a wall. Well, you said that, you saw that's not true. They were cheering and hooting and being very polite. And you, you saw him tell the Washington Post that he was abused. And you saw him say on his video circulated by Alyssa Milano that he was, that he was worried. And, he, and, and all these things they were saying, he couldn't get away. Well, those were all lies. Okay, now watch this two minute video. It's a little grainier and it's a little rougher and there's swearing, there's racial swearing, there's racist swearing here. It's not from these kids. It's from another group allied with Nathan Phillips, the elder. It's a group of black extremists who call, them, call themselves black Israelites. They're not Jews though. They're something, I don't know. Listen to their shocking racism against whites, against that one black student we saw dancing. I think they say something out about a wall. Okay, now I, I, I'm gonna roll two minutes here because I want to show you what happened. This happened right before Nathan Phillips went up to the white kids that he called racist. This is two minutes, lots of swearing, and you'll notice this was before the drumming. Take a look. Thank God, I'm warning you, nigga. I'm warning you, nigga. That's right, I'm not. I'm not. Shut your big ass up. Speak like that to your parents. Well, then speak like that to them. Let me ask you something. Hold on, hold on. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, Doc. Why you ain't, you got all these dirty ass crackers behind you with a red, with a red Make America Great hat again on, and your coon ass, you want to fight your brothers. You got all these racist. 
racist bastards with red. You nigga, you nigga, with all these crackers with with racist ass make America great hats on, and you gonna talk about you gonna get violent with us? Get your get your old Uncle Tom ass out of here. Get your Uncle Tom ass out of here. Get your your Super Sambo ass out of here. Super Steven ass nigga, man. Leave him alone, brother. He 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 trying to make a show now. You got your five minutes of fame. Look at all these damn Peckerwoods. This is what the Lord is coming for. All these Peckerwoods with America, make America great. This nigga want to talk that garbage about nigga what you want to do. Look at all these dusty ass crackers with that racist garbage on. Look at these dirty ass crackers. Can't stand in the damn sun for five minutes. Why you don't build the damn wall? Can't stand in the damn sun. When's the last time you ever seen a Mexican, a Hispanic, a Native American, or a Negro shoot up a school? Yeah, crickets. 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 That's right. Look at their ass. They ass scattered off of that. They ass scattered off of that. Look at their ass, Israel. They ass gone off of that. Look at that mob of these dirty animals. They gone. That's how you dismiss them. That's right. The truth gonna be told whether y'all wanna hear it or not. So you've got a group of mainly white teenagers just standing there, and they're kids. I'll, I'll get back to what they were doing there in a moment. But they were being sworn at abusively by black activists calling themselves black Israel, black Israelites. All that swearing, the use of the N-word and other racial swears against whites was by a black activist. So he was directing that vitriol at the one black kid who you saw later on dancing. So that horrendous vomit of verbal assault is what was right before Nathan Phillips, the Vietnam era hero, the veteran saint and truth teller. And he walks up to them in the middle of this rant. And I'm gonna play this clip. So first was that anti-white, anti-black racism. Then Nathan Phillips walks up and we ended with the drumming. So we actually showed you things out of order. Here is Nathan Phillips walking up to the white kids after the white kids had been abused by those black protesters. Take a look. See how much they respect you, Israel? Look all of them. All these Americans. Go ahead, what you say? That's right. Here come Gad. Here come Gad. Here come Gad. Look, look at our Make America Great Again hats. Look at the hats. Look at the hats. We ain't taking. Look, we not taking. Look at Gad. That's right, Gad. Look at Gad. Look at Gad not playing. He came to the rescue. Our elder right there. Look at him. 
Yeah, y'all better not touch him. Y'all better not touch him. Put, his, put yeah, that thing down, don't he? Yeah, 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 then he calm all these spirits yeah, right yeah, down. Yeah, huh? yeah, serious with it, ain't yeah, it? Yeah, serious with it. He calm all these spirits. It's <laughs> right spiritual right there. He calm all these spirits. Down. That's right. All, all these spirits is getting demonic. He calm all that down. Say that again, Ken. All these spirits is getting demonic. Guys came through and calm all these spirits down. That's right. All these spirits got calm down. And gas stepped in front of us too, huh? Right, Look how they mock it. Serious mockery. Would they let make America great again hat? Serious mockery. Look at that. Hmm. See, I, I thought they swarmed him. That's what he said. That's what the Washington Post said. That's what the New York Times said. That's what CNN said. I, I thought they taunted him. I thought they goaded him. I thought they attacked him. I thought they wouldn't let him go. I thought they were racist. I thought they shouted about the wall. Um, the weird comments in fact, came from the black activists, who by the end there noted that they were singing along with him. But what if all you knew was what the CBC and CNN and Jeff Bezos' Washington Post said? Even the school denounced its own kids. I went to their website, the Covington Catholic High School, and the first thing you see is a message from the Diocese of Covington and Covington Catholic High School denouncing these kids on their own homepage, condemning their own students, they use the word condemn, saying they tainted the school's reputation. Can you imagine the school doing that to their own children? Well, last night his reputation destroyed that kid, Nick Sandman, subject to countless death threats. He and his parents issued a statement. I'm gonna read more than a few words to you from it, because it. It explains everything, all the different things we've seen. Ready? He said, I am providing this factual account of what happened on Friday afternoon at the Lincoln Memorial to correct misinformation and outright lies being spread about my family and me. I am the student in the video who was confronted by the Native American protester. I arrived at the Lincoln Memorial at 4.30 p.m. I was told to be there by 5.30 p.m. when our buses were due to leave Washington for the trip back to Kentucky. We had been attending the March for Life rally and then had split up into small groups to do sightseeing. When we arrived, we noticed four African-American protesters who were also on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. I am not sure what they were protesting and I did not interact with them. I did hear them direct derogatory insults at our school group. The protesters said hateful things. They called us racists, bigots, white crackers, faggots, and incest kids. They also taunted an African-American student from my school by telling him that we would harvest his organs. I have no idea what that insult means, but it was startling to hear. Because we were being loudly attacked and taunted in public, a student in our group asked one of our teacher chaperones for permission to begin our school spirit chants to counter the hateful things that were being shouted at our group. The chants are commonly used at sporting events. They are all positive in nature and sound like what you would hear at any high school. Our chaperone gave us permission to use our school chants. We would not have done that without obtaining permission from the adults in charge of our group. 
At no time did I hear any student chant anything other than the school spirit chants. I did not witness or hear any students chant build the wall or anything hateful or racist at any time. Assertions to the contrary are simply false. Our chants were loud because we wanted to drown out the hateful comments that were being shouted at us by the protesters. After a few minutes of chanting, the Native American protesters, who I hadn't previously noticed, approached our group. The Native American protesters had drums and were accompanied by at least one person with a camera. The protester everyone had seen in the video began playing his drum as he waded into the crowd, which parted for him. I did not see anyone try to block his path. He locked eyes with me and approached me, coming within inches of my face. He played his drum the entire time he was in my face. I never interacted with this protesters. I did not speak to him. I did not make any hand gestures or other aggressive moves. To be honest, I was startled and confused as to why he had approached me. We had already been yelled at by another group of protesters, and when the second group approached, I was worried that a situation was getting out of control where adults were attempting to provoke teenagers. I believed that by remaining motionless and calm, I was helping to diffuse the situation. I realized everyone had cameras and that perhaps a group of adults was trying to provoke a group of teenagers into a larger conflict. I said a silent prayer that the situation would not get out of hand. It goes on and on, so many details. And you saw the corroborating video for all of it, didn't you? What do you think happened here? Do you think that silent kid was racist? Do you think he was smirking racistly? Do you think he was taunting the man with the drum, threatening him? Do you think these kids did anything more than be a bit boisterous? Would you have been so calm in the face of racial slurs being thrown at you by the black extremists, even against a fellow African-American? Would you have been so calm if someone walked up to you within an inch of your face and banged a drum in your face for five minutes? I would not have been so calm, smiling and praying. You know, this is a version of what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. This is, a, this is what they did to an anonymous kid from Kentucky. This is what they'll do to you. And by they, I don't just mean the lying thugs at the Lincoln Memorial. I mean the lying thugs in the mainstream media, including the lying thugs in our own Canadian media, including and especially at the CBC. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, I had my first taste of censorship a dozen years ago when I republished the Danish cartoons of the Muslim prophet Mohammed in a magazine I published called The Western Standard. The censorship came from the government, one of their human rights commissions. I was subjected to a 900-day investigation, interrogation, and prosecution that was only abandoned when public reaction turned hostile to the commissions. Well, today, Censorship is done much more skillfully than through ham-fisted government bureaucrats. It's done by the mean girls in Silicon Valley. And by that I mean unknown, unaccountable, uh, opaque corporate bureaucrats responding to stimulus from activist journalists. So while I despised every moment of my own prosecution, at least there were some rules, some transparency, some form of justice, not so in censorship today. And I say all that as a preamble to our next guests. 
you've met him before. He goes by the online nickname, Count Dankula, as you can tell even by that name, he's got a great sense of humor. His real name is Mark Meekin, and he is a YouTube broadcaster from Scotland. He joins us now via Skype. Mark, great to see you again. Thanks very much for being here. Thanks very much, man. It's good to be back. Um, I love that Scottish accent, and I know most Canadians will find it uh, like listening to their grandparents. So many uh, Canadians trace their roots back to Scotland. We think of the United Kingdom, of which Scotland is a part, as the crucible from which free speech emerged. Um, Areopagitica, John Milton, uh, even more fundamental notions of rule of law like uh, the Magna Carta. Would you say (laughs) that the United Kingdom is still a land of freedom of speech? Uh, no, it's definitely not. Um, we're definitely having a sort of a case of uh, reverse McCarthyism, as it's being called, where people who are seen to have, you know, libertarian or classical liberal or conservative views often have uh, the media and the general population coming after them. And the general population uh, are that way because they've just been completely indoctrinated by the media. It's just that everyone sort of has the ethos of right wing bad, right wing bad. And so they just completely come after you any chance that they get, even though we're the ones that mostly advocate for freedom. So it's, uh, it's quite surprising, you know, how effective that the media have been uh, trying to stifle such opinions. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I mentioned my own example a dozen years ago. I should tell you, Mark, that back then, <clears throat> the vast majority of journalists, even self-described li- liberal journalists in Canada, uh, were on my side. Today, I know that wouldn't be the case. And let me get to your news. And, and it was this story in BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed is uh, uh, an online clickbait channel. And it's written by a journalist named... Mark DiStefano. It was actually about uh, our mutual friend Tommy Robinson. I'll read the headline. YouTube says Tommy Robinson will no longer be able to make money from his videos. And then the uh, subheadline is we have suspended ads on Tommy Robinson's YouTube channel as it breaches our advertising policies, a spokesperson told BuzzFeed News. Um, it seems to me, Mark, that what happens is you have an activist journalist from some left wing clickbait site like BuzzFeed, who works with YouTube or Twitter or PayPal or Facebook and calls them up in a really friendly way, but also a slightly threatening way and says, oh, I see Tommy's still there. Well, what about Mark Meek? And uh, are you okay with his stuff? I'm writing a report. You better give me a good answer. I'm going to press in an hour. You got to tell me in an hour, is Count Dankula and Mark Meekin still going to get ads on your channel? Because, boy, I sure wouldn't want to write that story. And so YouTube reacts, and it's, it's a mob forming up. It's not journalism. It's stimulating a particular story. That's my thesis. What do you think? Oh, no, I definitely believe that. Um, as far as... Because obviously, in order for him to get the comments from YouTube, he had to liaise directly with them. And obviously, during the conversation, uh, I'm pretty certain that my name must have come up because the guy obviously intended to insert me in the article, which is why he wrote about me in the, in the article and he just directly called me far right. Because um, that's just what they do, lies is all they have. And so obviously, uh, YouTube are a bit... You know, they're, they're very, very skittish, especially since the whole adpocalypse, especially when it comes to the media sniffing around about what certain channels have ads running on it. So I've obviously been mentioned at some point during Mark DeStefano's conversation with YouTube, and then in his article, he calls me far right. 
So obviously YouTube have just decided to err on the side of caution and just demonetize every single video on my channel. And the only way that I found out about it was when Mark DeStefano himself DM'd me asking about the monetization on my channel. I just thought that's a little bit strange. Why is he asking me about that? So I went in to check and sure enough, every single video was demonetized. So basically this BuzzFeed journalist knew about my channel's demonetization before I even did. And apparently I'm supposed to sit there and not think there's some kind of connection here. Yeah. Well, I mean, and simply from a privacy point of view, that would be like someone calling you up and saying, oh, hi, I've heard you've been evicted from your apartment. Uh, well, how would you possibly know that unless my landlord told you? I mean, like before you, like, I mean, that's an extreme example. But really, if they can shut off your livelihood making money from YouTube videos, uh, and if they can shut off your banking, for example, our friend Tommy Robinson had his PayPal account severed for similar reasons. Well, why couldn't they kick someone out, out of an apartment? Why couldn't they call up your landlord and say, oh, you know who Mark Meekin is. He goes by the online name Count Dankula. Is that really the kind of tenant you want? Uh, and if it was a, a local mom and pop kind of tenant, they might not care. But if it was a corporate tenant, they say, oh, well, you're obviously a racist company. Should we tell other prospective tenants that you're a racist? Like, I could absolutely see they go for social media, they go for demonetization, they try and get, why wouldn't they be able to kick you out of your apartment? Well, that's the path we're going down. Like, you've, you've seen it as well. Like, see, for example, if you have the wrong opinions, you know, apparently being a straightforward libertarian that just wants everyone to be free and live and let live uh, makes you a Nazi. Apparently, even having, even having you know, a, ba a basic political stance like that, I feel a pretty good one. Uh, people will try and get you to lose your job, lose your income, not be able to get another job. I mean, there was even, I can't remember her name. I feel, I'm sorry that I'm not able to remember her name, but I believe that there was a woman who was trying to find an apartment in Washington. And as soon as everybody found that she was Republican Trump supporter, uh, places were denying her basically a place to stay. So that's just a sign of that's the path that we are starting to go down. If you have the wrong opinion, people will seek to deny basic amenities and services to you until you change your mind. And uh, But apparently people like us are the fascists. Yeah, it's so odd because, of course, in, in the past, there were some restrictive covenants in some housing developments, no Jews, no blacks. And that actually, that's not just apocryphal. That actually would be written on the deeds, the title deeds of the property. Um, even um, some country clubs, it was Donald Trump, if I recall, who integrated the Mar-a-Lago country club in Florida. They had a no Jews policy. So those things really did exist. Historically, they were uh, blamed on the right wing. I don't know if that's true. I, I know that the Democrats were the party of slavery and Republicans were the party of Lincoln. But it's so weird that the people trying to get you blacklisted, blackballed, fired, demonetized, and yeah, in the case of that woman, Pardes Saleh, I know what you're talking about, literally barring her from an apartment. Uh, let me ask you, did, have you had any contact with YouTube since they turned off all your monetization? I got an automated response. Uh, they told me that they decided to 
demonetize my channel because videos that are uploaded were not advertiser friendly. Now, the way, because I'm already a controversial figure, as I'm often called, whenever I upload any type of video, no matter what it is, it always comes up that I need to submit it for a manual review if I want ads on it. And so that's what I did each and every time. And I got a lot of videos monetized. So what that means is I submitted it uh, for manual review. A human being at YouTube watched the video and decided that this video was suitable for advertisers. So basically, there are videos on my channel that do meet the criteria. There was a lot of them, a lot of them that I was earning money from. But YouTube have decided to just basically reverse those decisions, even though, you know, several members of staff at YouTube and YouTube themselves acknowledged that my videos did meet the criteria for ads. They're now trying to dial back on that and suddenly say, oh, no, they don't and demonetize my entire channel, even though they already said they were, and it's all linked to this article, I believe. Yeah. So basically it's a case of, I, have, I haven't broken the rules. YouTube are just trying to say that I have to save its own skin. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence that you and Tommy were demonetized on exactly the same day. Now you <clears throat> have 400,000 followers on YouTube, and I don't know how many Tommy has. Uh, I think it's a little bit less. Um, that's a lot. Like in the, I mean, there are some people, some huge world famous YouTubers, one's named PewDiePie, who has, you know, coming up on 100 million, frankly. I think he's at 80 million. Um, yes. You're not in that league, but you would be, with 400,000 followers, you would be in the top 0.001%. No, absolutely. Um, but I don't think YouTube would blink or hesitate for a second at shutting you off and shutting Tommy Robinson off and frankly shutting us off. Uh, I think they just are so risk averse and their own instincts are so left wing that they regard you and Tommy and us and frankly even PewDiePie with his 80 million followers. I think they regard them as a pain in the, in the neck and even if they lost a few percent of their revenue, I think just for social aesthetic reasons, they would be happy to get rid of every single conservative, libertarian, right wing, or whatever. Oh, they would. In a second, I, I, you know, I, I fully believe that uh, if someone, if, if the people at YouTube had the whole Thanos glove, they would they would click their fingers and get rid of us. They absolutely would. And it's not even just YouTube themselves. Uh, YouTube are also getting pressure from government bodies to deplatform certain elements of the website, um, especially in the UK. There's actually uh, televised interviews with YouTube representatives where certain YouTubers get named outright or they just use the term right wing and extremist channels. And they pressure YouTube in order to either completely ban them in the UK or remove them from the website entirely. So it's not even just YouTube themselves, there is also government pressure and, you know, governments that try to stifle certain types of political ideologies and uh, certain opinions, you know, that that certainly makes a man worried when a government is trying to do that. Yeah. Well, what's how's this going to end? Because, I mean, let me take another example of a troublemaking Brit. And uh, you surely know who I mean. His name is Milo Yiannopoulos. I think you both spoke at the same day for Freedom Rally uh, last year in, in London. Milo's a yeah. handful, he's over the top. Uh, he's even more dramatic uh, and uh, colorful than you are, I think you might even acknowledge that, and I mean, you're both yeah. characters. Milo used to be huge on Twitter, huge on Facebook, huge on uh, YouTube, and he was deleted from 
one, several of those forums. I, I think he still has some outlet somewhere. I think he's still on YouTube, actually. But, he's, but you know, one day, someone's gone. And you don't know where to find like Gavin McInnes has been unpersoned. Um, you can't find him anymore. And he's still alive. I mean, I talk to him sometimes on the phone. But um, it, it would be like taking away someone's address and phone number in the 20th century. How do you even know where they are unless you can bump into them on the street? I think that really is unpersoning someone. And it's a terrible amount of power to give to, the, to this government bureaucracy that, as you point out, is merging. Sorry, the corporate bureaucracy that, as you point out, is merging with the government bureaucracy. How is this going to end? It's either going to be a case of everyone just rolls over and accepts it and we just fall into complete tyranny where only one political ideology is accepted. We're essentially going to become China, except our government's doing it with a nice friendly smile on their face instead. Or people are going to get really, really angry and start to push back. The only way to really, you know, the government, the only way to really get to the government is to speak with your vote. That's the best way to get to the government. The best way to get to corporations is to speak with your wallet. Unfortunately, YouTube and you know Google have a huge monopoly on the online discourse. The vast majority of online discourse nowadays takes place online as well as commerce. Um, so they, and they control a massive amount of it. Personally, I feel we should have an internet bill of rights. You know, I'm against the government interfering. Uh, with you know what a private company can and cannot do, but when this company controls so much of the worldwide discourse and therefore you know can influence public opinion, I mean this is something that can influence the outcome of an election. I don't believe a private company should have that kind of power. And so I believe that if we had something along the lines of an Internet Bill of Rights, where you know certain ideologies and opinions cannot be stifled or infringed upon, you know it would be. It would be nice if you know the constitutional freedoms could also carry into the online world because the online world is where a lot of people spend most of their time and do most of their talking. So that's a factor that needs to be taken into consideration whenever you think about what a private company should and should not be able to do. Yeah. You know, you just made me think of some of those company towns, these coal mining towns or whatnot, where the entire yeah. town was owned by the company. Uh, and all the rules and the laws and company police and the company store. And um, when, when you have a corporation that owns everything, including the law, including the sidewalks, uh, there's, there's room for corruption just as much as if it's owned by, run by politicians. Mark Meekin, what a pleasure to catch up with you. Give us 30 seconds on what you're doing tomorrow. I understand that you have an appeal or a, an attempt an appeal, seeking an appeal, if I've got it right, I don't know my Scottish law, yeah. regarding your conviction for uh, making a bad joke on YouTube uh, a couple of years ago. What's going on in Edinburgh tomorrow? Um, basically, we're going to be going to the court, and it is an appeal for an appeal. Um, it's this old law called a uh, nobile officium, where basically we've had the appeal denied, so we now go to some senior judges, and we basically say to them, look, we are getting screwed over. Here is all the evidence why. And then they would review all of the information and then decide whether or not I would get my appeal. So, yeah, you were right. It's an appeal to get an appeal. <laughs> that's, that's the stage we're at right now. So that's a, is that an ancient Scottish legal tradition? Some, some, so it's, it's not a formal appeal itself. It's sort of asking some judges for a, a second look or a third look. It, it feels like an ancient Scottish thing. Or am I just hoping that your answer is yes? Because I love ancient oh, no. Scottish things. 
It comes from Roman law. Yeah. Oh, That's really? It comes Hence the Latin name. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we wish you good luck on that. And, uh, and, you know, I know it's an uphill battle, but I know that you have an enormous number of supporters around the world. Even if they don't particularly support your content, they support your right to have your content. And you are an important test case in the battle for freedom. I appreciate you joining us today on the eve of your, of your appeal for an appeal. Thanks very much, man. Cheers. Thanks and good luck. Well, there you have it. That's Mark Meekin, also known as Count Dankula. He's a YouTube personality who is battling for free speech against the government, but also against YouTube. And I think importantly, against left-wing advocacy journalists. Stay with us. More Head on the Rebel. Hey, welcome back on my monologue Friday about a Muslim gang attacking gay men with acid in London. Chaz writes, as Levant tears it up again, media fake news fails to report a hate crime because it was committed by members of the protected religion of peace. Yeah, listen, I am sure there is gay bashing. Like that's, you know, you hear gay bashing and it, it, it often refers to just verbal rhetorical insults. This was actually bashing gays and then throwing acid in their face. Um, where's the news coverage? Well, because it was a Turkish gang. You can't talk about Muslims like that. Uh, now, shortly after the show was recorded on Friday, the Hackney Gazette published an editorial with the headline, Editor's Comment, Islamophobic Reaction to Homophobic Acid Attack is Ignorant and Depressing. So um, the Hackney Gazette did not like the reaction to their story. Uh, here's some quotes from them. They said, I'd have thought beating up innocent strangers and chucking corrosive fluid in their faces while shouting homophobic abuse would be reason enough to condemn the men jailed yesterday for the attack in Dalston. But to read the comments we've received on social media this week, you'd think the real crime they committed was er, having Islamic names. There's been a lot of speculative Islamophobia. No, no, I don't, I don't think that's why. I think it's because um, Islam is anti-gay. It's homophobic. I don't even think that's controversial to say. And these Turkish gang members camped out and were prepared with acid. And just like the media went crazy over some teenagers wearing Make America Great Again hats who happened to be from a Catholic school, and that turned into a national, international news story, the fact that the gay bashers in Hackney were Muslim is precisely why no one talked about it. The Hackney Gazette should never have even talked about it. They should have been like the BBC. Just don't even mention it. Because we, once we knew the names, we knew what was going on there, just like we know, as Majid Nawaz of the Quilliam Foundation knows and says, that the vast majority of rape gangs in the United Kingdom are Pakistani Muslim. And these Turkish Muslims beat up gays because they're Muslim and they don't like gays. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if you don't like the facts. That's what our friend Gavin McInnes called hate, calls hate facts. You can hate them, but they're still facts. I'm so sorry. On Rachel Notley trying to kill the rebel, Carol writes, contribution made because it is again a direct attack on our rights and freedoms. Better to die standing than to live on your knees. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for your support. I'm pleased uh, with the support we've received. And I was actually pleasantly surprised to see news coverage in Post Media and even on the CBC and even the Toronto Star that I would call fair, which is a shock for us. 
Who knows? Maybe there's a drop of vestigial love for freedom of speech left in Canada. We'll find out soon enough. Deborah writes, choosing to fight is the only choice you could have made. I still remember when the lights went out at the Sun News Network, and I don't want to see that happen with a rebel. Well, thank you so much, and neither do I. And th th so it's a risk, because of course, if we paid the 5,500 bucks and signed a compliance agreement and agreed not to do anything like that again, we'd be fine. I mean, we'd be out 5,500 bucks, but we'd be safe. By continuing to do what we do, not only do we have the certainty of paying our legal bills, which will be large, but we risk larger fines. Uh, as I showed you, the fines for, I think I showed it to you, the fines for a company like ours can be as high as $100,000 a pop. Obviously, one or two of those and we're just dead. So yeah, uh, we're, we're fighting. So far, I'm optimistic. I think the law is on our side, the facts are on our side, and most importantly, our viewers are on our side. Well, that's our story for today, folks. I appreciate you joining in. I'm quite upset and disturbed by what I saw of that high schooler, that teenager, Nick Sandman, being just cut to ribbons by the media on both sides of the border. What do you think? Let me know. Send me a letter. Until tomorrow. Until then, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night. And keep fighting for freedom.